Welcome to Hashtime with Navguzi Chuanuka. This is a place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health, emotional well-being, and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I'm your host, Navguzi Chuanuka, and I cannot wait to engage with you in the various conversations. So I think what we're doing for season five, for the beginning of season five, is to have all those overdue conversations. All of them are overdue, but this specific episode or this specific conversation was supposed to happen last year. But life happened and things just did not work out with the preparations. So today's episode is a heartfelt and personal journey through postpartum depression. And what Obi is going to do for us is to share her experience about the highs and lows of motherhood and how she managed to go through these these um struggles what worked for her what did not and how to move past these how do we even support the new mothers that is today's conversation so if you know any mother who is struggling with postpartum depression or is just not feeling it you know because these things come with diagnosis you don't just self-diagnose if you know any mother who is struggling with new motherhood and what it comes with please share this episode with them and Let's have a chat. Join us. Hi, Obi. Hi, Nabuguzi. I like the way how you pronounce my name. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm getting it right. You're doing great. I've noticed, oh, I've noticed people quickly <laughs> lean towards Chiwanuka, especially the Nigerians. And then... Mm, because, because, and can I tell you, because Chiwanuka kind of has an Igbo feel. Is it? it? It kind of has an Igbo feel. Yes, 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 yes. It's even because flattering that he has an Igbo. Yes, it, it, it has an Igbo feel. Uh-huh. So it, I guess that's why they tend to lean towards it. In fact, people who, who are not well exposed or well traveled will like, just assume they are Igbo. Someone, oh my God, I was shocked. So someone, I don't know, I think she made a post, she's Nigerian. She made a post on Facebook. Yeah. And I think she was like, write something and I tell you what my first impression was of you in the comments. So I, 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 put, okay. I put whatever she had told us to put. And she was like, I thought you were Nigerian. I was like, what? <laughs> you see? That was so You rough. see? I did not foresee that. I knew, I knew for, for, let me see, since 2015, I think that's when I noticed that Nigerians lean more towards Chiwanuka. And that's how I started. Yes becoming comfortable with yes. the name. <laughs> with it. Mm. Mm. Sounds like, yeah, okay. it's because it has an Igbo feel. Oh, wow. And you're Igbo? Yeah. Good morning. Yes, I'm Igbo, yes. Good morning, sis. <laughs> Good morning, sis. <laughs> ah, you're taking me far now. I cannot respond to that. <laughs> and they carry you go where you don't know. Oh, there you go now. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Hi, Nabuguzi. Hi, Chiwanuka. Hey, there you yeah, go hi. now. <laughs> How you doing? Great, 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 great. This this has been a long time coming. We've had to go through the hoops. Yeah. 
yeah, but yeah, I'm really yeah, glad yeah. we finally made it to the day. And uh, let us hear from you. Tell us about who Obi is. Who is the person on the other microphone? Oh, thank you so much, Nabaguzi. So, um, okay, my name is Obi Nadi, mm-hmm. and I am a mental health campaigner. Mm-hmm. I um, I run a mental health NGO, a registered mental health NGO in Nigeria mm-hmm. by the name Thrive Network. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I am very passionate about the um, spread of the awareness of the entire concept of mental health in not just Nigeria, but Africa as a continent. And the very reason is because I am um, a two-time postpartum depression survivor. Two-time. And I have, yeah, two-time, yeah. And and I have experienced firsthand, I always use this word firsthand whenever I'm talking about, you know, my experience with poor mental health, because Mm -hmm. you see, you need to walk that road to understand it. Right. It's not just enough to, to talk about it. You need to walk that path to understand it. You need to walk that path in a third world country where people have literally no idea of what it means to experience poor mental health. In fact, they don't even know what mental health is, how much more what it means to experience poor mental health or good mental health. So yes, my passion and interest in mental health was spurred by my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, fun-loving, fun-loving, you know, woman. I love life. I love to live. Yeah. I love to uh, my 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 one of my goals in life or one of my dreams actually is to give back to humanity through this work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell you, nothing has been more rewarding and, and satisfying than that. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Uh, you have more like preempted <laughs> the conversation, <laughs> but let's have a <laughs> let's have a throwback. What was okay. Ob like as a child? Well, um, okay. So throwback, throwback. I am the first daughter. In a family of, you know, five siblings mm-hmm. with my mom and dad. I'm the first daughter and the first child. So I, I for a, a, well, for a very long time, for the better part of my early years, my personality was actually shaped as a function of the responsibility and the demands and expectations that comes with being the first child and the first you know, um, daughter, daughter in an African family, or let me say in a Nigerian setting, because I don't know what it's like in other African settings. But mm-hmm. you know, there was this burden of expectation. So while I was, you know, a fun-loving girl, while I loved to be, while I loved to play and do what my parents were doing, and um, there was also that other part of me that understood what was expected of me as a first child, which was to be an assistant mom to my younger siblings mm-hmm. to grow, grow up faster than I should have. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but that aside, I mean, I also, um, I, I think my personality was also shaped largely by the sort of family orientation I had in my early family life, because mm-hmm. I come from a very large family of uncles, aunts, cousins, you know, 
and, and relatives. And I also have, when I say large family, I mean, I have uncles and aunts who are married to, I am Igbo mm -hmm. by extraction, but I have relatives who are married to Gambians, Ghanaians, you know, um, people from other nationalities. So that kind of helped um, give me a very early exposure to, you know, other people, their way of life. And, and yeah, and I remember, I remember uh, since the age of nine, 10, mm -hmm. I'd always had an interest in why people do the things they do. Is it? Remember, because I'm from a large, yeah, because I'm from a large family, right? So I had the opportunity of seeing certain life events happen. I saw people who were so in love, get married and go their separate ways. I saw how people responded or reacted to deaths. I saw how um, people responded or reacted to conflicts, betrayals. I, I saw all that. You were already you know, seeing separations like at the age of nine yes. or ten? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Early. yeah. Yeah. That is really yeah. early. Yeah. I only yeah. saw, I saw, oh my God, that. at that age? What? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, because I'm you trying know, to, I'm sorry for cutting you short. I'm trying to. No, it's okay roll back to my time then and all I was seeing were people together attending weddings yeah you don't really see people fighting yes because yes. I think I, I, I yeah. was mostly raised by a, I was I don't mean no say mostly I was raised by a single mother so perhaps I just didn't know what was happening yeah. in other people's homes Yes, you, you know, it also, it also because for instance, like I said, mm -hmm. I come from a very large family, right? So you, you, when it comes to separations, there's no way you will not be exposed to these things if it happens, even though it was rare at the time. Mm -hmm. Remember, there was not as much information and as much exposure as there is now, right? you know? So even though it was rare, I remember a, a family friend of ours the husband and wife, you know, they were so into each other. And then one day the wife comes visiting and she had never come visiting alone. She used to come with her husband or nothing. You know, they were that close. And she came visiting alone. And of course, as I was somewhere, it's dropping and my mom didn't know. But I just learned that, you know, they had gone their separate ways. And I, I was shocked. But I think that was my first lesson in life, really, mm -hmm. about um, the, the fact that um people can be into each other a whole lot but it's not a, it doesn't it doesn't it's not a guarantee of forever i think that was my first real shock and, and exposure to these things Ouch. yeah so yeah so i saw i saw quite a few of these things and it, i took an interest you know and i've always had that interest it, uh, it was my interest in my you know gravitating towards mental health that actually gave it a name, behavioral psychology, right? That was how I I, <laughs> I got to know that there was a term for it. And if it's something you wanted to take up as a course of study, you know, you could just delve into behavioral psychology, social mm -hmm. sciences, why human behavior generally, psychology. Yeah. And, and stuff. So yeah, that's that's. So, I don't know if this is a brief. So wait. <laughs> so this is something that you wanted to do right from childhood, like absolutely, because, absolutely. How soon were you exposed to that? Because, like, I usually talk about the Dell beat, doctor, engineer, yeah. lawyer. What is the other L? Yeah. 
so so you're asking how soon I was exposed to um to this other side my, of professionality. Yes, yes, that's where you're talking about the behavioral psychology aspect or the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of it. To be honest with you, I have a first degree in political science. Oh. which absolutely has nothing. In fact, let me make you laugh. I, when I was seeking admission at the uh-huh. University of Abuja, right, mm-hmm. I was offered psychology. I was offered education mm-hmm. and all these courses, you know, they're all under education. And, and if you, uh, psychology kind of has to do with education, right? And I turned it down. I said, nah, let me just, you know, go for political science. And my other option was sociology, but I just said, let me just do political science. And it's funny because that was actually my first, that would have been my first real um, encounter with anything that was related to what I've always wanted to do, Mm -hmm. you know. But maybe at the time, because I didn't have the proper guidance, I didn't have a mentor who could say to me, no, I think you should do this. I just, you know, decided to go with political science. So, Had you seen anyone in that area of practice? Perhaps it could have been something that you didn't feel like. And, and that's, that's another thing that I want to say. So in Nigeria, as we speak, at the time, at the time I was seeking admission at, in the university, we didn't even have a lot of psychologists. We didn't have a lot of psychi- psychiatrists. And of course, because I didn't know anything about mental health at the time, the word psychiatrist just, the, 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 what it connoted or, or connoted rather at that time was somebody who strictly deals with people who are um, who, who are mad, as we right. call it in Nigeria. So I, I, of course, I had no interest in that. I was like, nah, I'm not, you know. <laughs> that was, that, that's what ignorance and limited information does. You yeah. know, it just kind of gets in the way of everything you want to do. So that was my first opportunity at really taking up this thing from the professional um, angle. And mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah. So the second, I think, of course, as I now progressed and I had my own personal experiences and I said, you know what, this is what I want to do as a, well, yeah, this is what I want to do as a profession, so to speak, or as a career path and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just said, okay, I'm just, I'm, 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 I now had to start doing all my investigation, my research. And, you know, you just find out that, okay, for what you want to do specifically, you need to have at least basic knowledge in behavioral psychology or mental health and stuff. So yeah, yeah, okay, that's it, you, uh, basically. In your introduction, you highlighted the bit of you having an experience with yes. postpartum depression. Two times. Yes, I'm like, two good times. Yikes. <laughs> That's a lot. Super thing. <laughs> and, a whole lot. Yeah. A whole lot. <laughs> and I think that drew that drew me close to you because there is something that I wanted to do last year, but it didn't didn't happen. And I think I had mentioned it to you. But yeah. let us have this conversation because at least there is someone whom I met, uh, someone that I had studied with at the university, and she's like Please create something for mothers. We are there suffering with pregnancy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, something was going to happen last year, but it didn't. So let us okay. have this conversation. Um, open us to yeah. what it's like to struggle with postpartum depression. Where does this whole thing start? Because with us here in Uganda, or I would speak yeah. on the 
basis of Africa, I'm assuming our cultures aren't any different in as far as how we view women and their reproduction system. Mm -hmm. See, the... I don't know, should I say the smaller bit of it? Like, menstruation would be smaller than... I don't know. Let me not do comparisons. Yeah. But for someone that struggles with terrible menstruation pains, someone is quick to say, you should be used to that already. You're a woman. Why are you just... Why are you overreacting? Yeah. Absolutely. And this comes from women as well. Like, it's shocking. Mm Mm-hmm. They have no mm-hmm. single awareness mm-hmm. because I think there's an app that I got on my phone to alert me about these different um, days or to follow up on my cycle. And I had to tick yeah. a couple of things that included, what is that? Um, what I experienced. And I kept, I kept ticking these things. And I was like, wow. So there are actually people that just move around with their period and like nothing happened. Exactly. And I was like, yeah. I'm supposed to be hating these people. Why are they just having it so easy? <laughs> <laughs> so and this is the thing with motherhood, because I think the very first thing I saw with pregnancy and its complexities, it was through one of the, one of a certain Nigerian uh, person, social media personality who had her yeah. third child. And she was, eh. it was before having the kid, just pregnancy messed her up. She was always on drips Mm. and looking like she's about to Mm. die. And I was like, ah. And this is 2017, I think, when I see these things. Mm. That's the very first thing I see. And I'm like, wait, so it can be this bad? So open open us to your experience, Obi. Okay, Nabuguzi. Well, um, thank you so, so much once again for starting this conversation um, mm-hmm. around postpartum depression because I feel like not enough people are talking about it. Now, you have addressed something that is one key thing that I'm going to highlight mm-hmm. in the course of talking about my own experience, which is the cultural norms, the negative narratives, the the stereotypes woven around women and what and societal expectations. And what do I mean by this? You just gave a fantastic example because every month that I, uh, you know, I have my periods, Mm -hmm. it is hellish. Yep. And I've had my periods since I was 13. I've had to deal with this every single month. And most of the time, it is women who should understand because, you know, this is relatable in some way. It is the women who say to you, just get up and go about your day. I mean, they're going to experience this till they're probably 50, 60. So mm-hmm. you can't just lie around. You, you get little or no empathy from your own um, gender. And this was exactly what happened to me when I experienced postpartum depression. Now, um, in my case, I remember 14 years ago when I had my first child. Mm-hmm. Um, so my younger sister, who is my immediate younger sister, who I'm older than with just a few years, she got married before me. Mm-hmm. So she had her kids, you know, before I did. Mm-hmm. However, I was not within the same location as her when she was having her kids because I was at the university. Mm-hmm. And so I did not see firsthand 
what her struggles were and if she had any. I I was not aware. But remember, I was I'd, I'd also seen my mom have my siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't recall ever seeing her had those moments when she was struggling emotionally. Mm-hmm. But when I now had my own experience, and I said to myself, but wait a minute, not even your family members knew what you were going through till you opened up to them. Yeah. Not one person knew what I was dealing with because I had to wear that mask of a happy mom. Mm-hmm. Remember that I live in a society where the news of a baby, the, the safe delivery of a baby is good news. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if mom is still in recovery. The most important thing is that baby is out and baby is healthy. <laughs> the attention is on the baby and not necessarily on mom, who is the primary caregiver. So when I had my, okay, so I'm going to start from my pregnancy experience. So I had my first son when I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. and my early, my mid-20s. And so it was an easy pregnancy, apart from the fact that I had my first three months of severe morning sickness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really didn't experience any other challenge till I had him. And I think, I suspect that my experience with postpartum, because all the research I've done on it, it's that it starts two weeks postpartum. That is after you've had your baby. But I tell you, I suspect that mine started the day I fell, I went into labor. I strongly suspect. Because prior to that, I had always asked my younger sister who already had kids and my mom and my aunt, I was like, what does labor pain really feel like? Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me? And they're all like, we really can't describe it. You have to experience it too. I said, okay, just give me an idea. Is it like menstrual cramps? And they say, well, yeah, but menstrual cramps times a thousand, times 1,000. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not bad now. If you... So they just couldn't, but I was curious. I wanted to know. And remember again that prior to delivery, every single commercial I had seen because then social media was just emerging. It was not really in full swing as it is now. Yeah. Every single time I went to the hospital for my antenatal checks or every single advert I saw on uh, maybe baby diapers and stuff or anything revolving around babies was a happy mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. saw a mom looking sad or a mom depressed or a mom who was withdrawn. I never saw that. So all the only impression I had of myself after having this baby was a happy mom who was just up and about the next day feeding her baby changing diapers doing stuff and then every time i go for my antenatal classes nobody's talking about mental health the focus is on your exercises how you need to eat right how you need to sleep right nobody's asking hey mama how are you doing what's your state of mind like i remember that I've known women who died in the course of having babies. I had that fear at the back of my mind, but nobody was talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. Because again, the religious angle is there. Oh, it's not your portion. Please don't put fear in the mother's mind by talking about uh... this thing. It's not your portion. God will not allow that happen to you. But this fear is real. And there are women who die. Was it their portion? Could it have been that that was their portion and that was why they died in the course of giving life? And all these fears I kept to myself. Because again, I didn't want to be seen as weak or ungrateful that I took in so easily when there are women who are struggling to even have one baby. So fast oh. forward to, you know, the coming of my baby. 
Mm-hmm. First of all, the labor was long, Nabuguzi. I'm not even going to lie to you. That labor was so long. I was in so much pain till the baby. In fact, I recall, I remember what I told the midwife at some point. I said to her, you know what? Bring a knife and just open this stomach and bring out. I'm tired. I can't even, I can't even do this anymore. And stuff. I said that and a few minutes later, the baby was out. And so when my son came out, I remember vividly, I just looked at the baby and I was like, okay, so every single commercial I've seen just says that once your baby is out, you're happy, you're excited, you hold the baby. I'm not feeling any of that. But I couldn't say that to anybody. Mm -hmm. So there was just this detachment. I was emotionally detached. I was not excited. Like, okay, my baby is finally here. I remember. And they took the baby away, cleaned the baby up. My mom was there. My mom was happy. But she noticed that I was a bit detached but she just assumed it was because of the stress i had gone through and all and when we got home i was struggling with this detachment feelings of detachment i I couldn't tell anybody couldn't tell my partner i couldn't tell my mom i couldn't tell my sister because i was wondering i was like okay maybe if i sleep and wake up tomorrow i'll feel really happy you know I'll, i'll be full swing i'll be emotionally um charged for my baby and all and then I remember that we got home that day because I refused to sleep in the hospital. I, I need to give details. And this is the first time I'm really talking about my experience with postpartum depression, mm-hmm. detail by detail. So I remember that I was certified fit, although the uh, medical director then insisted that I spend the night, but I was just like, nah, I, I just had this general dislike for hospitals. And the hospital was not so far away from where we were living. So I said, you know what, let me come in first in tomorrow morning instead and so we go home with the baby and i remember my breast milk when for my three kids not there's not one delivery that i've had that i was able to produce milk immediately and give my baby Mm -hmm. we have to wait a day or two these are things nobody ever told me remember that my impression Mm -hmm. was once your baby comes you just start breastfeeding immediately you're just up and about no there was no mental preparation for these things. Nobody said to me, look, oh, it's possible that your breast milk might not run in a day or two or three days. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked to me about the tear and the pain that comes with having a possible tear when the baby is coming out. If you are giving birth, you know, if you are having a vaginal birth, nobody talked to me about this. Nobody even talked to me about cracked nipples. Nobody told me, look, you might bleed. And the baby is still sucking and you're going to be... Nobody told me, nobody prepared me for these things. Mm-hmm. And so when I when, when we got home, my mom mixed water in um, glucose. And she said, well, since you don't have breast milk, I know my partner went out to go and get um, baby milk. Mm-hmm. So she said, this baby has not really... Let me just give the baby some water and glucose. And I tell you, Nabuguzi, the first two spoons that went into that boy's mouth... He just started vomiting this blackish and greenish substance. I was like, okay, what's going on here? Guess what? They did not suction this child at the hospital. You can't believe it. You know how a baby comes out and then they put that stuff and they they suction the baby's nose and they remove all this. They did not do that at the hospital. And so the child was obviously not even breathing properly. And so when when he started 
you know, vomiting, all these things. I panicked and we rushed back to the hospital and this. So that, that, that's already, I was exhausted mentally because I was like, what is going on here? What is, what, what is so, all this? Hold on, Obi. Anyway. Hold on. So. Yeah. I am seeing a new mother in a state of confusion. Absolutely. Because she has gone nine months with a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you were mm-hmm. probably excited to have an experience. Of, of course I was. Well. Oh, of course I was. And Apart then, from all my fears that I already mentioned, of course I was excited. Yeah. And then the day comes and you don't feel it. I'm telling you, Nabuguzi, that nothing prepared me for all these events I just narrated that happened when my baby came. Now, somebody listening to this podcast will say, but come on, you know that's life. You can't, you can't really prepare for every eventuality. But no, there was a, there's something about a continuous projection and a particular presentation of a situation that will not even steer your thoughts in the direction of any other challenge. Remember that all my life, any commercial I see with a mom and a newborn is a happy mom I'm seeing, is an active mom, is a mom who is up and about, catering to her baby, doing stuff. I never saw one commercial that said, hey, look, mom, you can have sad days. It's okay to feel sad some days. It's okay to I never saw any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I never, you know, I never prepared myself for any of that. And so we come back home. I remember, remember, another thing, that I want to mention is my personality, right? So, because again, research has proven that sometimes the woman's personality too has a lot to do with how she responds to certain situations. And I'm the type of person who is, I don't want to say go-go girl, but I'm, I'm just your regular jeans and sneaker girl. I just wear my jeans, my sneaker and I'm off. Yeah, I've seen you. If I need to roll up my, <laughs> if I need to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty in the mud to get, I don't even hesitate to do that. Mm-hmm. Right now, there was a drastic change in my life. There was a baby in my life who depended on me twenty four seven. This baby could not even say, "Okay, you know what? I'm wet. I'll change my diaper myself." This baby <laughs> depended on me for everything. Yeah, every time I had to go out, I had to pack a bag for this baby now these are all the things that nobody really yes you you know it's one thing to say yes when i have my baby I'm go- it is another thing to leave it it's another thing to leave it when you are going through severe pain you already have a vaginal tear you have cracked nipples my baby had a bad case of colic there was no sleep i'm not even joking this child would cry all night so some nights, either myself or my partner will carry him and we're up and about. We're like trying to, you know, calm him down. And we go to the hospital. They're like, oh, it's just a case of colic. Just give him this. It will help. God, there was no sleep. The, the, the change was so drastic. Mm-hmm. There was no warning. There was, there was no time for me to even adapt to my new reality. And so all of these things were just coming at me at the same time, just coming at me, coming at me. And I was struggling. And I tell you, before I could open up to my, and don't mind you, I'm, I, I'm from a very close-knit family. Mm-hmm. So imagine as close-knit as we are, I could not even open up to my own mom. It took me one full month before I could say to her, I think there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I remember 
that the first day I said this to her, she was standing. She had to sit. She had to sit. <laughs> <laughs> she reduced her voice. It was just she had, it was just so much in her. So she was like, "Hey, my daughter, please don't let anybody hear this, please." Because Whoa. it didn't even make any sense to her. I remember that this is a woman who was raised at a time when your feelings did not matter. Right. What mattered was that baby and all the attention the baby needed. I mean, you're an adult, you're expected to take care of yourself. So what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, my daughter. And I said, look, I don't know what is going on, but I know that this child, every time this child cries, it annoys me. Oh. I know that I'm not happy carrying this baby. I know that I am not emotionally connected to this child. And I cannot even explain why. And I had to open up because at this point, it was becoming overwhelming. I needed, I really needed to talk to someone. And so I spoke to my mom. I spoke to my sisters. I even spoke to my doctor. And my doctor said, oh, okay, don't worry about it. Just maybe it's the lack of sleep. You know, just get some sleep. Try and get enough rest. Your mom is there. Everybody's there to help you. And I felt like if I'm talking to my doctor and my doctor can't even understand what I'm dealing with, then I might be possessed. It might be something spiritual. I might, then somebody from the village has finally, you know, decided that is on my case. Mm. That was how I felt. Because how else, if a medical doctor cannot understand what I'm dealing with, who on earth will understand it? Right. And so, I don't, so, you know, for, a very long, I, I, I struggled for close to six, seven months. But my sisters, my family were there for me. They were, so, even though they did not even know what was happening to me. But what they did was unknowingly, we just applied self-help coping mechanisms and skills. So what they did, they would take the baby away from me. Mm-hmm. All day, I would not even see the baby till maybe sometime later at night and I'm, I'm okay bring him let me just breastfeed him sometimes I would express they would breast you know they would feed him from the um feeding bottles yeah. but I just had enough time alone without the baby mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. the baby because I was actually and going so to I, yeah. I was actually going to ask you in all these struggles because in the beginning we're hearing you having your mother present and your partner being very proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And usually when I'm having conversations on the side with some people, I emphasize the need for support or rather highlight the part where I think this is something that mostly happens in my culture, Buganda, where they Mm -hmm. mostly expect the girl to be with family. Mm -hmm. That there is support readily available for them to help them heal and things like that. And also handle the new, you know, experience. Yeah. Yeah. But now I, when you're narrating all this, my question is, had the mother left? What was happening? Yeah. So again, let me, share one story with you mm-hmm. and at this time my mom my mom my mom left after i think about two months um well um let me say traditionally when a woman has a baby right mm-hmm. in the part of nigeria where i come from which is 
the Igbo culture. Right. Your mom is expected to come and stay with you. When I was much younger, my grandma would come and stay with my mom for six solid months. It is called Omugo. Omugo. You know, so yes, Omugo. So your, your mom is there with you for six months because at six months, this belief that the new mom can now, you know, take good care of the baby without the, ex the support of an experienced or much older woman. But my mom, because at the time I had my first son, of course, times had changed, you know, more mothers were not willing to stay six months. And besides, my mom is a young mom who was still working, who didn't even have that luxury of spending six months with me. So my mom left, I think, sometime around two months and a half into the delivery of my baby. And then the very first day my mom left, luckily we lived, you know, we lived, we, we all lived in Lagos. You know, she was just, her location was just a bit far off, but we're in the same state. Mm -hmm. And so my mom goes, my mom leaves. Remember, I'm still struggling with my mental health at this point. So my mom leaves and my immediate, not my immediate younger sister, one of my sisters, you know, was at home with me that day. And I said, okay, let me give this boy a bath. And so I had watched my mom do it with so much expertise and it looked so simple. I said, okay, I'm going to do this right now and then. The minute I soaked his baby towel in water, because I used to see my mom do that. She would take some soap and wash clean his face, you know, and it looked so easy. I was like, okay, dip the towel in water. Oh yeah, soap. Now because I put it over my baby's face and he inhaled soap and soap went into this boy's head. Ah. Yeah. And from that moment, there was not a sound. He did not stare. He just went limp in my hand. I was dealing with postpartum depression when this thing happened. And so the next thing I remember, I just grabbed the car keys. I didn't even know how to drive. I was just learning how to drive. But I was in so much shock that I drove. As we were rushing to the hospital, I drove into a ditch, got down. Luckily, there was a commercial motorbike coming. He now rushed us to the hospital. And somehow they revived this boy. But I tell you that that experience, 14 years after, I cannot give a newborn baby a bath as a function of that experience. So you can imagine a mom who is already dealing with so much in terms of her mental health, and this happens. And so I went on and I struggled and I struggled and I struggled. But I tell you, fast forward to my first experience. How did I come out of it? Because I get that question a lot. Did you get professional help? I mean, I didn't even know I needed professional help. Right. You will only get professional help when you know you need it, right? Mm -hmm. But the support, what I now noticed was because this baby was taken away from me, my sisters would come around. They would leave their jobs, leave everything. They would come around. I have three sisters. And we would just all day, we'll talk about everything but the baby. We'll talk about everything on earth but the baby. Mm -hmm. And then I would leave them at home with the baby. I'll go for long walks. You know, I'll take myself out to an eatery. I'll buy myself food. I would treat myself. I noticed that every time I did that and I came home, gradually, I would ask them, okay, bring him. Bring him, let me breastfeed him. It was just, you know, baby steps. But for every day that I woke up and knew that I didn't have to deal with that baby 24-7, I knew that the baby cried. He was with my mom who was experienced and she would do. It gave me some sort of space to come up for air. And this was how gradually, gradually, gradually 
I just pull through if that's the right word to use. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have another child till eight years later. I was trying, you know, but it didn't work until eight years later. And this is why my second experience with postpartum depression was kind of, it, it was even harder than the first. It was harder? And the reason is because the, my second experience, and I'll tell you why. Tell me. But before I, I go into that, I want to state that all the while I was struggling, it was only my family members that knew, my siblings and my mom and, you know, no single guest, no single visitor could tell that I was struggling because every time they came, I'll put on a happy face, I'll act like the happiest mom and all that. But in my heart of heart, I really wanted them to just get the hell out of that house so I could just go and lie down and not talk to anybody. And, and stop. But it, I think it's important that I mention that mm-hmm. because when people hear postpartum depression, they assume, they just imagine a mom whose face is sad, who is just so miserable. No, you won't see any of that. Just as it's the same with most mental health problems like depression, mm-hmm. how people try so hard to hide what they're dealing with for fear of castigation and stigmatization and judgment and harsh criticism. So I had to wear that mask, which even made it more difficult for me as I was struggling with my mental health. But anyway, so after eight years, I have another baby. Mm-hmm. And of course, everywhere erupts in, everybody's so happy. Oh, she's finally had another baby. Oh God, oh, this is this. And I just noticed. So first of all, because I had experienced this before, but I did not have much information. I just assumed it was not going to happen to me in my second pregnancy. So, so I was like, okay. Be- before I cut you short, even in the eight years, you were never, there was no chance that you may have landed on something called postpartum depression? Nothing. Because, wow. of course, when I pulled through, I just moved on with my life. I just yeah. thought it was a temporal thing. I just thought it was okay. That was just a, a one-off thing when I have other kids. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my friends said to me, I think it's just a temporal. And now I think that was what shaped my mindset because she was like, nah, I'm sure with other babies, first babies are normally, you know, hard to deal with. But with ex- So I just imagined, I just assumed mm-hmm. that it was my lack of experience that made me feel that right, way. Right, 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 right. And so fast forward eight years later, I have another baby. Everybody's so happy. And my baby was on admission for a week because, you know, there were some complications and all. Mm. So we were in the hospital. And don't forget, I had a barrage of text messages, calls. Everybody wanted to talk to me. And because I was not taking calls, because I was tending to a baby who was ill. And you know how secretive we are in this part of the world. Don't tell anybody that the baby is ill. Don't tell anybody in the hospital. So I couldn't even tell people what was going on. And some people will send me texts. I've been calling you since so you're not taking my call. I just want to congratulate you on the birth of your baby before you think I want to be, you know, so I'm reading all these messages. I'm like, you don't even know what's happening at the other end. Why don't you just wait till you can reach me and find out why I was not taking your calls? Yeah. So at a point I had to turn off my phone because the pressure was just out of this world, you know. And so we get dealt with that. I remember... I was much older in this pregnancy, Mm -hmm. right? I was in my 30s when I had my second child. And so the pregnancy was different. It was a bit harder because I had health issues. I had um, preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure, hypertension in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I had sugar problems. I had wasting. All these things I did not experience with my first child. So the pregnancy was a bit hard. Even the delivery was, you know, 
it, harder than the first one as well. And so we go back home and I just start to notice that, okay, you know what? This thing is about to happen again. God. So it's not even about me having a child already. It's not even about me being an experienced mom. It's just that this thing is about to happen mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So there's no excitement. There's no interest about the baby. I just, I'm just like, I just don't care. And I want to state that, look, people... And that's why I say, if you don't walk down the road of poor mental health, you can't understand it. Because you're listening to this podcast, you're saying, come on, you just had a baby. How can you say you can't help yourself? How can you say you can't be happy? Because I can't help myself. If I could help myself, of course, I'll be happy that I had a baby. But I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help how I was feeling. And again, I was in a lot of pain. You know, I was dealing with all the postpartum, you know, um, and body changes, the pain the cuts, the tears, all these things I was dealing with. Then I had to deal with a baby who had his own issues that I needed to attend to. And then I had so many people. I didn't even want people to know I was back, but somehow what just got out. Mm-hmm. And I, there was no sleep for me in Apodosi from morning till night. From morning till night. And the lack of If I said, sleep. okay, let me go in and... The lack absolutely. Can, I remember that lack, remember that. that lack of sleep will impact anybody's mental health. You don't even have to be a mom with a newborn. Yeah. You know, you know. So if you don't even have to be a mom with a newborn for lack of sleep to affect or impact your mental health. And so all of this, and you know, another thing about uh, African settings, I don't know if it is applicable in other African settings, but in Nigeria, mm-hmm. um, people are, are quick to read meanings into actions that don't even require reading meaning into it. <laughs> if they come visiting and you don't come out to sit with them for six hours, ha, it means that you are, you are selectively attending to people because somebody will say, ah, but I went there and she was with me for two hours. And I went there 30 minutes, she couldn't even stay. So you are trying to please everybody but uh, yourself. Uh. Oh. People will come, some people will come visiting. You are sitting there, you're looking at me. I am sleeping in the middle of the conversation and they keep on talking. They, they don't even say, oh, you know what? You need to go and like, they continue. They just like nothing is happening. I had to wake up with the stats and, you know. So all these things just kept taking its toll on my mental health. But because I, I remember one day I'd had enough and I just went on Google because of course then there was significant improvement in um, technology, the internet and stuff. So I just went on Google and I said, I typed mom not happy, mom feeling sad, mom with newborn feeling sad. I think it was something like that that I typed. Yeah. And the first thing that popped up was postnatal depression, not even postpartum, it was postnatal depression. And I was like, okay, what's this? I was curious and I read. And the more I read, it was as if the author of that article was talking about me. Mm-hmm. And so I now go, I now, I now, I now, you know, clicked on the other um, content that popped up. And as I read, I came across the word postpartum depression. And as I read, I realized it was not just something synonymous to um, Caucasian women or women in the West. It was happening to women in Africa right here with me. And I tell you, I'm not even joking. That very day that I could put a name to what was happening to me, Nabuguzi, I felt better by 60%. Mm-hmm. I felt 
I felt a sense of relief, like, oh my goodness. Is this because you felt so, sin? Because I, I, I realized I was not alone. Right. I realized there was not even, I was not the only black woman. I was not the only African woman who was dealing with this thing. There were other women. But the other challenge was, I now go on the internet and I, I now go on my social media apps, right? Mm-hmm. And I start to search for support groups for women dealing with postpartum depression because, of course, I now had a need to, you know, to work with. And I recall most of the groups coming up were groups that had Caucasian women or women in America, UK, you know, like that. But there was nothing for African women. Anyway, I went ahead and joined these groups. And I tell you, the first day, I I didn't even share much. I just said, as a woman living in a third world country, where people do not understand the struggles of women, of moms with newborns, honestly, it is a living nightmare. That was all I, I wrote. Oh my goodness. Now because of the support I got from these women, I'm, I'm not even, the support was amazing. Genuinely, some of them even sent me direct messages. They were willing to share tips, you know, on how they pull through. They understood that the resources were scarce in the part of the world where I lived in. And some of them were willing to they send me materials. You know, some of them wanted to send me baby things. The support was amazing. Yeah. And it helped me recover faster than I did in my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Because again, research has proven that while postpartum depression can happen to veteran moms or first time mom or, you know, moms with multiple births or moms with, you know, who, who's, who have more children, more than one child. Coming to the realization that you are not alone has this sort of effect, positive effect on mom's mental health. So the minute I got that support from all these women who were saying all these nice things, honestly, I stopped feeling like like I was an outcast or I was weak. I stopped feeling like a weak woman, like I was weak or like I was a bad mom. Because I also had feelings of guilt. Like, yeah. I'm a bad mom. Mom guilt. I see other moms with their babies and they're doing so well. And remember, my kids are not heavy eaters. I was also struggling with that. So my kids were very, they used to be very skinny, especially my first child. And I remember women saying to me, hmm, you're adding so much weight and your own baby is not adding weight. Why don't you stop eating and focus on your baby? Oh they they said things goodness. like that. And they just said it casually, like, we're just having conversation, conversations. <sighs> so... With my second son, I remember one day I picked up the phone and I, I wanted to share how I was feeling with an elderly woman who I had a lot of respect for. I still do because I understand that it was from a place of ignorance that she said what she said. And I said to her, ah, mom, see how I'm feeling. This is like, ah, why are you feeling that way? Is there something that you, about your pregnancy that you want to tell people? Is there, do you have any secret? I was like, ah, how did we get here? Which, I'm telling you that. What kind of secrets was she pointing at? I don't understand. I honestly, I was just taken aback at how far she went. Maybe she was thinking that I stepped out of my partner mm-hmm. and I was burdened with the guilt because I was like, why are you even thinking in this direction? I, I like, I'm just saying to you that I feel guilty that I'm not a good mom because I feel like I'm not hands on with my baby like other moms are. And I remember. Again, very important to mention that 
my second son, right? My second pregnancy, mm-hmm. he stopped breastfeeding because there was no breast milk. The breast milk just seized on its own. So at two months and a half or thereabouts, there was no breast milk for this baby anymore. And whenever people came, you know, people who older women, they would say to me, breastfeed the baby. And I would innocently say, ah, there's no more. Ah, no, no, no. Take bitter leaf. Oh, drink palm wines. Yeah. Oh, eat plenty ham. Oh, do this. Now, because I drank so much palm wine <laughs> that it's amazing how I'm not dependent on alcoholic today, or alcohol, alcohol today, sorry, because these women, it seems as if they were on a mission to get me. I drank. In fact, it goes to the point we started, you know, you know, you know, palm wine. I, I just hear about it. I, I, I hear about it from the Nigerian context and even in the movie. Okay. Okay. So palm wine is a local drink. You know, you tap it from these trees. I don't know what it's called, but it's, you don't even, Coconut? it's a drink you take like any other drink. You don't need to cook it up. You don't need to heat it up. They said I should heat it up and drink it. It will make my breast. I did all of this. Nothing, nothing worked. Somebody said to me one day that it seems as if I'm trying to preserve the shape of my breasts. And so I'm making excuses that breast, my breast milk is not running. How do you say these sort of things wow. to a woman who is struggling with, or how, how on earth do you think it is okay to say these sort of things? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think again, that for moms in third world countries who are dealing with postpartum depression, it is more about the people around them. It is more about the people because you're dealing with all of this. You can't tell anybody how you're feeling. You finally struggle and, you know, you open up and all you get is castigation. And some women say to you, oh, I had 20 children. I never felt that way. I would even back my newborn and go to the farm. You mothers of these days are so weak. You are so this, you are so that. How? How do you invalidate my experience because you didn't experience it? Mm-hmm. And these are the issues. These are the things we must talk about when we are discussing postpartum depression. As a mental health activist right now, you call yourself a campaigner. going to call you an activist. Yes. As a mental... <laughs> yes. But you can, you have, can, you can, you can be, call me all of the above. Advocate, I, campaigner, activist. I have yes. to be specific with the wording that you choose. As okay. a mental health campaigner right now. Yes. What message would you love to leave? Both, um, okay. I think it it first goes to the first priority. Our first priority for the conversation are the mothers who may have experienced it and are still confused by mm-hmm. what might have happened, but they just feel like it could have gone past. And then mm-hmm. to the larger society. Thank you very much. I, I, this is a very important question now for me for someone who has lived through postpartum depression firsthand Mm -hmm. in a society where ignorance was in abundance it is a living nightmare so the first thing that i want to say and the first thing that i'm thankful for is the fact that we now live in the age of information in fact i'm amongst the first women to openly share their story on postpartum depression in Nigeria. And I say this with every sense of confidence and responsibility. What I want to say to women who are probably going through postpartum depression right now is this. Look, your body and your mind 
will go through many changes during and after pregnancy. Pregnancy is such a powerful experience that can only be experienced. <laughs> it's not something you can share with anyone to the extent or to, to the point that they can relate. It is such a powerful, personal and unique experience. So the first thing moms with newborns have to acknowledge is the fact that my pregnancy experience and yours can never be the same. Yep. That's the first thing that I want to say to every woman listening to me right now. And so it is perfectly okay to feel sad, anxious, or even overwhelmed. It is okay to feel like you don't love or care for your baby. Look, in fact, there's something called baby blues. So these feelings are very similar, you know, to the characteristics of postpartum depression. And it happens to moms with newborns. The only difference is that it doesn't last longer than two weeks normally. It is when it now goes beyond two weeks that you might need to see a professional. But what I want to say is, whatever you are feeling, please do not let anybody invalidate how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. That you're struggling with your mental health right now with the coming of a baby does not make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a weak mom. It doesn't make other moms better than you. This is just something that you that is happening to you and no one else can experience it the way you're experiencing it. So take it one day at a time. Look for, Nabuguzi said something about support system. Nothing beats a solid support system at times like this. If there's anybody who will say stuff to you that will trigger you or further push you down that dark path, please keep them away from you. Take it one day at a time. Take it one day at a time. It can only get better, you know, with each day, as long as we don't rush ourselves. And if these feelings persist and they seem to become to be becoming overwhelming, please, please see a professional. Please. That's what I'm going to say to moms with newborns who are currently struggling with their mental health. Yeah. I lived it. I lived it firsthand. So I'm not, this is not a textbook approach. This is my own personal experience. And I'm saying to you, do not rush yourself. Do not rush yourself. Don't even feel ashamed for how you're feeling. Just take each day as it comes. And, and what I always say to, because you see, for me, the three tiers of society must work hand in hand to support moms who are going through postpartum depression, which is why I'm excited for the Mental Health Act, you know, that was um, passed into law in 2021. It was formerly known as the Lunacy Act in Nigeria, but it was, you know, it has, it was renamed the Mental Health Act of 2021. And it was designed to promote and protect the fundamental human rights and freedom of all persons with mental health conditions. So the government must be involved, actively involved, the community must be actively involved. But first of all, they have to be educated on what postpartum depression is and ways they can come in. Remember, when I was experiencing postpartum depression, it was the people in my community that wasn't how I was feeling mm -hmm. with the things they were saying to me. Yeah. So there is an urgent need for continuous educational outreach programs on this very important subject matter. 
you know, I, in in every single community of of uh, community in, in in Africa. Let me say in Africa. I don't want to say society. I don't bring it down to society, but communities. Mm-hmm. And then as a community, you now have family. So I I hardly complete or end my mental health discussions without bringing in the role of religion, and I'm sure you know why, yep. because. Imagine people who are dealing with mental health problems and they're from highly religious families. Mm -hmm. You can't even properly express yourself because already it will be assumed that you're possessed, there's something else going on with you. So I think that this awareness really has to start from the first agent of socialization, which is family. I think that families have to have a full grasp because the other thing that I do when I'm talking to pregnant moms is I, I say to them, your partner, your family, the people to provide support after the baby comes must have first-hand knowledge and understanding of what postpartum depression is. So that if you if baby comes and it happens to you, they can manage, they can manage it. They understand what you're dealing with. So we try to educate family members of pregnant women. We try to say to them, look, oh, this is not a function of it is not my portion. Mm-hmm. And it is not my portion is something religious people in Nigeria say a lot. So somebody is involved in an accident. Ah, thank God it's not me because that's not my portion. We have adopted it. A woman it. is struggling with her mental... Yeah? We have adopted it. Ex- absolutely. So it is. So this is not a function of it is not my portion. Mental health problems can happen to anybody. I am somebody who is very strong. If, if you if you if you're talking about if you're defining a woman who I am a very strong woman trust me mm-hmm. and I say this with every sense of responsibility and still I experience some mental health so mental health problems does not mean an individual is weak or has low resistance it can happen to anybody as a function of likes events as a function of a combination of factors so it doesn't make that person weak mom is the primary caregiver so family community and government must work hand in hand to provide the required support for women who are experiencing postpartum depression and then if i might add this the Mm -hmm. the projection the projections on social and mainstream media must begin to take a more realistic presentation or approach it must begin to take we must begin to take into you know is another thing it's just like people go on and they have babies and they never expected to find themselves in a situation where they need to deal with a special needs child or a baby with a birth um, birth defect and things like that. But that's also because all the projections we've ever seen are the projections of healthy moms, healthy babies, right? Yes, that might be the ultimate goal of the commercial, but we need to now begin to make room for moms with special needs children women who are dealing with postpartum, it must be inclusive. It must be inclusive mm-hmm. on both social, mainstream media, even at religious establishments. We must be inclusive when we are talking about mothers because at the end of the day, a woman with postpartum, dealing with postpartum depression, a woman with a special needs baby, a woman with a baby with a birth defect is still a mom, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you too, Obi. Yes, Nabigusi. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It means a lot. 
because uh, thank you it's thank important you. for us thank to you have, so much for like, having me. like you mentioned about the beat of media projection at least yes it has given relevance to the podcast because the very beginning absolutely <laughs> the very beginning or reasons as to why it was started is because such conversations were not existent mm-hmm. in mainstream mm-hmm. media you mm-hmm. weren't seeing many of these things that you could learn from and relate with and i yeah. think this is something that i wanted to highlight in the middle of the conversation um i think okay what you're struggling with traditionally is the beat where people have the idea that when you tell women what happens during pregnancy or what they might experience in the labor ward might deter them from mm-hmm. getting pregnant they might detest Exa- exactly the whole notion of exactly. getting pregnant and things like that and so <laughs> and the question has always been so did it take away the problems that people struggle with you realize it's still happening so thank you it is best that we equip ourselves at least with the information so that we do not find ourselves in a position of confusion or outcasts or sinners in the perspective mm-hmm. of the church. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing your story. It means a lot that thank you have come on Thank you so much. And shared this. And I think thank also you so people... Much. You're welcome. I think people also have to have an understanding that there is such thing called post Pattern psychosis. Mm-hmm. I have not yet gotten the person to have a conversation with, but I think last year there was a story, a Kenyan story, where a woman was seen stabbing her child and people were screaming, ooh, but she couldn't. Ooh. But she couldn't respond. Ooh. The baby was mm. crying and she just kept going and going and oh. in the windows screaming. So there's oh. a lot that happens. There's a lot that happens. It's non-possession. Mm. Yeah. Motherhood can be a mess. A couple of mm. things can also be a mess. So until I get someone mm. that can share their experience on postpartum psychosis, because it doesn't always end that way. Of course, some people yeah. are helped before things escalate to that level. So it helps yeah. that you have shared your story, Obi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Nabuguzi. And I honestly hope that my story impacts the life of, even if it's just one woman out there, yeah. honestly, because that's what I'm all about, giving back through sharing my story, through my work in mental health. If it impacts the life of just one woman, I am fine. But once again, thank you so much for initiating these conversations. They're very important conversations that very few people are talking about. But thank you, Nabuguzi. Thank you so much for also accepting the invite. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel, uh, what's the word? Aesthetic. I am excited. I actually wanted. <laughs> I, I actually wait. wanted. Let me see. Let me see if I can share something with you on the screen. I okay. wanted to share an emotional wheel um, for you to look at, and then choose an emotion that you feel. 
Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> it's something that, so I, that they should have been at the beginning and then also do a comparison at the end, but I didn't remember. Yes, yes. Oh, it's right here. <sighs> I feel, honestly, I'm feeling very, I'm looking at the joy, emotion and all that it brings. Um, yeah. Elation, definitely, definitely elated. I'm elated at the thought that more women and men are going to listen, hear this podcast, hopefully, and you know, it will impact someone's life positively. Because I'm thinking to myself, if I if I had a podcast like this mm-hmm. at the peak of my struggles with my mental health when I had my babies, honestly, I can't imagine how much good and how it would have impacted my state of mind positively. So I'm just elated. You're just thinking it. I'm very happy. Um, yes, I'm, I'm very happy and I'm very optimistic. Yeah, yeah I, think these are, I think these are the right emotions to describe how I'm feeling. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful as well. I'm hopeful that this message will reach the nooks and crannies, like the, the places where it ought to reach and beyond. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Obi. And I'm also very happy that we had this conversation. Thank you so much, Nabuguzi, for having me once again. Thank you so, so much. (laughs) And and well done. Yeah, I mean, keep up the great work you're doing. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you so much for staying to the very end of this episode. If you loved this conversation, please do me a favor and hit the subscribe button in your podcast platform of choice. It helps this podcast to grow. It helps us to even reach bigger audiences. The engagement, the subscriptions, sell us and sell our story, the African story and how you want to hear it. Also, feel free to share your insights about what connected with you on social media and tag us. We are at hashtag Winabuguzichwanka on Facebook and Instagram and on X, our handle is at HGNK Podcast or you can join the conversation with the hashtag HTNK Insation. See you on Monday for the HTNK Legal Monday. Do not forget that is our new segment. Goodbye.